for those of you just joining us, my guest today is Anders Boulanger. Did I say that correctly? You did, yeah. Excellent. Thank you, by the way, for putting on LinkedIn the proper pronunciation. So I kind of cheated a little bit. Uh, on, on your LinkedIn profile, you've got that little yeah. audio welcome message. So we were just talking before we started rolling here about the fact that you and I had met each other probably close to a decade ago. Yeah. And thanks to LinkedIn, we stayed connected. And then something kind of made me think, hey, I need to reach out. You would be a great person to bring on the show for a whole laundry list of reasons, which I think will become apparent. So why don't we start with you sharing with our audience a little bit about your background, who you are, and what you do for your business, and then we'll go from there. Sure. So if I go way back, uh, when I was five years old, I got a Fisher-Price magic set for Christmas, and uh, that little toy kind of changed the direction of my life because uh, when I got older, I started doing birthday parties, doing magic. Uh, I got more and more books and different things. I went to university. I got a four-year degree in physics, uh, but I paid my way through university doing magic at different uh, events and fairs and festivals. Started doing more kind of corporate work, put on a suit, started doing conferences and uh, conventions. And then I started doing a few trade shows. And then I was trained by a man named Joel Bauer. And if you, if you well, I don't suppose your listeners know many magicians, but they might, any magician would know who Joel Bauer is because he was kind of like the best trade show magician out there. And he was training a group of people. So I became one of those uh, trainees and then kind of became his star pupil coming out of that training and was able to build up my business working for uh, primarily tech corp corporations, uh, you know, actually taking their solution, whatever they're, you know, whatever they're selling, using their messaging and integrating it into an interactive uh, magic show. I never call it that. We call it infotainment. Okay, so it's that their information that. and a unique form of entertainment that becomes a high passion message driven presentation that drives leads to the booth, you know, it sparks curiosity, peaks, you know, makes them want to take a closer look. And, and so we are kind of that, you know, first few steps of the customer buying journey in a trade show. So what I realized, and of course, during the pandemic, not a lot happening, you know, in terms of uh, large scale events and trade shows, um, you know, for a, a long time, we were wanting to shift to being more of an engagement company. And so we rebranded to what we are now, Engageify. And we now not only, you know, do what we did before in terms of helping create engagement and leads for, you know, companies at trade shows, but we also train their people how to be engaging. So we kind of did it, took a step back and, you know, looked at what is it that we're doing that we can actually make people stop take notice, want to participate in something, and then take those principles and then teach them so that your salespeople can connect with, you know, deep in connection and command attention, whether it is for, um, you know, marketing, people on webinars, virtual, you know, engagement like we're doing right now, even though people are listening to a podcast. Um, just before we started, I was giving you an example of, you know, how you can kind of look better with the lighting and that sort of stuff. So, um, so that's kind of where we've come is that we're we're all about creating engagement and in this day and age john i feel like we really need engagement because uh Big time. i mean during pandemic virtual time you know virtually you didn't know if someone was looking at you on the screen or they were shopping on amazon or 
checking their email, you know, you didn't know. So the distractions are at an all time high. Uh, people are overwhelmed with the, the complexity of life. So we need engagement to get that message through because people will tune it out if, if, we, if we don't. And to that point, so you, when you and I met, it was, I, if I recall correctly, you were just doing this on your own, right? That's right, then, yeah. That's right. So then I got so busy, I, I had other infotainers under me working for various clients. And, uh, and so that we kind of scaled up in, in that sense, and then offered uh, various different uh, services as well on top of what we were already doing. And so yeah, things have things have grown. And it's kind of crazy to see, you know, how far it's come. So for the, the listeners and the viewers, just just to be really super clear, because I think when you and I first met, and you described what you did, it took me a minute to get it. But if I yeah. understand correctly, when you were doing just the infotainer on your own in Trade Show Boost, you were actually creating like a customized, yeah, some kind of customized magic that incorporated your client's product or service in some way. You did that in the booth or, or near the booth at a trade That's show right. to yeah. draw people in. And then they had their salespeople or whoever else there that would then kind of take it that next step, right? To That's sort right. of continue the conversation. So that, by the way, when we first met, blew my mind because I'd never heard of anything like that. I have since seen at some of the conferences where I've spoken at some of the exhibit halls, something where they do something similar to what you do, only they don't do it the way you do it. They just do a magic trick and it's rarely in any way related to the product yeah. or service of that company. It's a generic yeah. magic trick. Sometimes so, so, it's uh, it's supposed to be mind reading or or a medium type of a thing. So how in the world do you customize a trick to a client? Because I think that's one of the biggest keys in communication in general yeah. is understanding your audience and then tailoring your message. And, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that, John, because uh, as terms of an engagement principle, relevance is huge, right? It, if it's relevant to you, if it will benefit you, or it will warn you of something that could harm you, we're talking like neuroscience here and going back to crocodile lizard brain kind of uh, stuff there, uh, okay. you want to you wanna know about it. So you pay attention. And that was one of the things that I remember watching. I was in Chicago at some uh, show and there was a huge crowd and I'm like, what are these guys watching? Like I go over and it looked like a really boring presentation, but this speaker was like the person for this crowd at this HR tech show. Right. And it was just the relevance was so darn high that you can be a bad at being engaging even because relevance yeah. is just such a, a cheat code, if you will, right? There's yep. a few things like that. Storytelling is another cheat code for engagement because you can, yep. you can even be a bad storyteller, but if you have a good story, people will hang on every word. And, yeah. and so the relevance, yeah, is key. So what we do to make that happen at trade shows is we have a message engineering questionnaire that we use with our clients. So they, we send that to them, they fill it out, and then we have a fine tuning conference call that helps us kind of clarify, you know, what it is that they want. And, and a big thing too, in, in, you know, if you've ever dealt with a, a marketing department of a big company, the stuff yeah. that they have in their decks is not really consumable for, uh, you know, the consumer 
in a sense, consumable for the consumer yep. it, because of the jargon, because of the, you know, just how they dress it up. So we often act as a bit of a filter to kind of go, okay, I can't say that out loud with a straight face, right? <laughs> so can I say this? They go, oh yeah, you can say that. Okay, great. You know, so we, we try to make it lowest common denominator terms. So there's another engagement principle. If you want people to be able to engage with you, keep things simple because there's something called cognitive backlog, which is in, in a sense too complicated of a term in itself. Sounds too complicated. We don't want to listen to it, right? We shut down. We, we ignore it. Um, overwhelm, right? So uh, we simplify things and make it easy to follow. And we use, okay, I'm, I'm doing this in, in air quotes, magic tricks, because I don't like to talk about that way, as, okay. as visual metaphors to convey that, you know, that message. Yep. So I will also let, it, let your listeners in on a little secret about messaging. When it comes down to it, every company says they're different, but really what it comes down to is save money, make money. Okay, so money's in there. Yep. Save time. And if, if yep. you're saving time and money, there's kind of an efficiency or a pro productive productivity piece in there, okay? And then the third piece is, is peace of mind. Right, just being able to rest easy, knowing that uh, they're taken care of, they don't have you know worries, their compliance, all those different things kind of fall under yeah. uh, peace of mind. So when you are set up, and in our in my case, doing magic and finding these transformation mechanisms, these demonstrations that we do, and it's not always magic. I do a thing where I shoot a rubber band 15 feet away from me, it lands on the ground, and it comes back to me, and it's all physics based. But it's an, it's an amazing, it's kind of a dude perfect kind of feat, but I'm tying in what's, what's happening. So tying in the message. university degree. <laughs> well, and I do kind of say that, that I go, I've got a four-year degree in physics, but you don't really need one for that. For, um, but the, yeah, so with that, it, it's always, if your content can dovetail with save money, save time, peace of mind, you're always going to be set up and ready to, to be able to, you know, create that integration and make it highly relevant. And of course, when you do that for a company, customizing it, making it all about them, they, you know, they love it. And they're like, how did you do that? Right. Um, but you, like you find us, yeah, you find, well, you find a system for yourself. Right. And, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's just kind of, um, how we've done it. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Yeah, you hit on a bunch of things um, that I'd love to dive into. For the sake of time, um, I'll keep it to a couple. You mentioned cognitive backlog. Is that so? I've heard of cognitive load. Is it is that a similar concept? Or it, it is. It is. It's okay. just that idea that yeah, you're you're trying to keep up, and too many things stack up, right? Gotcha. So the backlog, gotcha. it's like it's like yep. multiple loads is kind of what's happening there. Yeah. Gotcha. So you talked about storytelling, which is something that I have been working really hard in my business to get better at because of all the stuff you talked about, right? The neuroscience tells us that it just works, right? We could do a whole hour plus, uh, we could do a whole documentary on the, on the neuroscience of it, and I'm sure mm -hmm. people have, but the structure of storytelling is what makes a story a story, right? And one of the things that I'm trying to get in place for the podcast is to lay out questions that I call it, I call it my clear question matrix, right? So uh, clear communication is an acronym I came up with, five, mm -hmm. five different aspects of communication and mapping those questions related to each of those topics 
to the pieces of the hero's journey story structure, right? Mm -hmm. Laying that out in yeah. a matrix so that when, when I do an interview, I can literally just go from left to right, like our brains think in time and just look down and say, just ask one question from each column. And I'm making sure that I hit all the topics that I wanna cover for my audience. And I take them through the story structure so that it keeps them engaged. And what I found is it sounds like a great idea when I thought of it, but it's really hard, <laughs> right? This storytelling thing, yeah. it is a lot going on, but this story, to, does, it, does that sound like something that, that you guys would do or something similar to what you guys do? You know, what, what we'll do is every, and again, I'm using it in quotes, trick, you know, just because yeah. I, I don't like to call it that, but I think we're all friends here. We can, we can say that. And the reason, the reason I do that, by the way, is that when I'm talking with a client and they think magic trick, they're going to think of a cheesy magician pulling a rabbit out of a hat and we don't want to put that yeah. in their minds. So, yeah. so with each demonstration that we do is a mini story. Okay. So there's a beginning, a middle and end, and I'm holding up my hands in front of me and kind of saying point A on the left side and point B on the right side. You know, people are at point A, they are in their whatever state, the problem state that exists. And so we're often saying, how many of you here are experiencing X, Y, and Z, right? Which are, that come from the messaging, come from the company. And then this idea, and then they want to get to, to point B, right? And again, timeline left to right. But to get there, something has to happen. And in our demonstrations, there is an aha moment where we introduce the company's solution. And that aha moment is often the wow part of the effect right yeah. so so the idea that we're always telling this little story and the memorable piece which defies the laws of physics and and blows people's minds is creating a, a peak state in the minds of the people watching so and that's when we're introducing the solution about the company and so uh -huh. with you know storytelling with what we do infotainment at trade shows, we're actually um, surgically implanting messaging into their minds because when you are in a peak state, when you create emotion in someone else, that emotion then creates a mental sticky note about what happened. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if you ever listened to um, books like Audible or something like that, John. Yeah. yeah. yeah? So when, when I'll often do that when I'm walking my dog, and sometimes my things get messed up and I'm back a chapter and I'm trying to find where I was, right? And, and I, I'm clicking through and I listen to a part and immediately, like instantly, I know where I was on the walk when I heard that, right? We associate, oh, yeah. you know, that, that kind of the audio to the physical yep. thing, presence. It's the same kind of idea with, with this idea that when we're doing that effect and people are experiencing that, they takes them right back to where they were and what they were hearing. So, um, so that's how we do it as stories, but we do a bunch of little stories, but ideally there is one large story or one large in, in NLP neurolinguistic programming, they call it a loop. Okay. And a yep. loop meaning, uh, the, I won't go into all of this cause this is too much, too much for the, the podcast, but the idea that you start a story, you stop the story and you start a new story. Right. And then, so we've got two loops going, Ooh. but we want to like, we want to, and then as that second story ends, and we're just going to keep this simple because there's a thing called nested loops that people can look up, but uh, then you can end the first story after you end the second story. 
Okay, you with me, John? So, I'm with you so, so far. It's, it's like it's like parentheses in order of operations in math. You know, so, okay. you, so, you you got a bracket, and then you yeah. you're starting something, then another bracket, and then you got to close that second bracket before you can yep. close the final bracket. That's kind of what it's like. So with that, okay, now that we've cognitive backlog on everybody who's listening, <laughs> uh, with that we what we'll do is we give someone a chance to win two thousand dollars in in my presentations so i'm always waving around a fan of cash which i am advertising the end before we even begin and that is a loop in itself and it's not technically a story but it does have a beginning and an end and there is a middle kind of in there as well so people want to stick around to see if they can win the cash we're spiking dopamine by doing this which is another engagement you know, technique that we want yep. people to, uh, you know, be novelty, surprise, reward, that sort of thing. What could they do with the money? Okay. Yep. So that is the overarching story that happens in my presentations. So that there's that, and then a series of other mini stories, and then we're going to end with a cash. And we want we don't want people to leave because the bigger the crowd we get, the more leads my company gets. The more they like me, and they'll hire me and pay me more money. So. Um, so that's the idea is where it's all designed to just get people to come to stay, to watch, and then build that crowd out as big as possible. So for those of you out there listening and watching, think about the context of what you could use this for. My audience is predominantly accounting and finance professionals, right? So when you were talking about this nested loop, you're, you're talking their language, actually, right? Yeah. They live and breathe in Excel, right? Yeah. So visual basic to them, it's... Basic, basic, basic stuff to them. So it makes total sense to them. If you're not an accounting and finance person, you're tuning in, awesome. Just look up, nest, just Google nested loop. You'll find lots of information on it. You mentioned a lot of stuff that if anyone has ever participated in any of my training classes, they will have heard some of these things. But I want everyone listening and watching to understand, if you've been in one of my classes, you've scratched the scratch of some of the stuff that Andrews is talking about. NLP, just Google NLP, Richard Bandler, and you can read for days and days and days. That guy has been around, what, 30-something years. Um, and NLP is something that there's lots of new psychology that is built upon that, just like everybody else builds on the shoulders of giants. Um, but the stuff that you're talking about, I can tell in 10 seconds of listening to you how much deeper down the rabbit hole you have gone over the years in developing your expertise than I have with a lot of this stuff. And so one of the reasons that I bring on guests like yourself is that I know enough to know that what you have is extremely valuable. And what I want to try to bring when we're talking here on the show is how do we impart a few of these concepts to people who are working in a corporate environment and they're presenting things either in meetings or they're standing up and they're giving a presentation to a group with a PowerPoint behind them or they're giving a speech, or they're trying to motivate somebody, all of these same concepts are still applicable. So what are maybe just a couple of things that you might be able to suggest that they could use from your expertise that they could sprinkle into what they're already doing to kind of take it up to the next level? Uh, so one of the things we've already touched on here, John, is uh, simplifying, right? Making things simple, making sure that people uh, don't get lost. So that's always kind of like one filter to kind of go through your material because the curse of knowledge, and I 
exhibited here too, where I'm kind of like dropping little things, but not explaining everything fully because we don't have the time. But that curse of knowledge is, is whenever there's an expert, there's always going to be a curse of knowledge in place. So you always want to kind of step back and see, does this make complete sense on its own, right? Um, another place that you can add some engagement is by varying the different modalities. Now that sounds fancy, but I'm talking about the different senses. So we've got visual, auditory, and kinesthetic, which are the three main that we will talk about and communicate. We don't talk about smell and taste too much, um, you know, and, and they often chalk that up to kind of feeling and kinesthetic anyway. So this is right out of NLP. Everyone has their primary rep system, okay, representational system, meaning I'm, you, you can see me right now, and I'm talking with my hands a lot. I'm a visual person, so visual people tend to talk with their hands a little bit more. Then there's people who are uh, audit, auditorial, they'll like, they'll listen or they'll not listen, they'll be a little more melodic with their voice, right? They're kind of that, that idea that they're often musicians, that sort of thing. Um, and then there's kinesthetics who are often dancers or athletes, right? That they feel. So we all have our one that we, we use them all, but we have our, our one we prefer. When we talk, you'll often hear people say something like, you know, uh, oh, do you see what I mean by that? Is that, is that clear? Yeah. So that's a visual person talking to you, right? And that gives you kind of a hint. Yeah. And then you, they might say, hey, does is that, is, is that sound good? There's an auditory person. Does that feel good to you, right? That's a kinesthetic possibly, okay, if they continue to use them. So here's the thing. When you have a wide audience, they all are all different rep systems all over the place. So you have to do a shotgun approach when, with your presentations is varying what we call the predicates. And that's, those are the words that you're using like I just used the idea that, you know, I'll often say, how many people are picking up what I'm putting down here as a, as a way of using <laughs> a kinesthetic, you know, way of checking in, right? Yeah. So there's different things. Does that sound good? If you does say, yeah, I just said two predicates that were auditory there, right? You can sometimes, I'm sometimes showing a man and I'll say, how many people have felt the way this guy looks? So I've got feel and, and yeah, feel and visual. Pardon me, kinesthetic and visual together right there. And so by varying that, what you're doing is you're making it more immersive for your whole audience. So they're hearing their own, you know, preferred rep system in the way you talk. And then you are then connecting with them in a, in a better way. And you're also, again, I'm going to use a visual one, painting the picture more so with how you are explaining whatever it is you're talking about. So that would be a, uh, another tip for, uh, you know, your, your listeners. And if, if I give you one more too, if, if, if that's all right, is sure. authority. And when I say authority, uh, it could be a variety of, it can mean a few different things. One of them being credibility, in terms of how you position yourself. And one of the great examples some people might've seen on, uh, on uh, YouTube or something is, there's a violinist named Joshua Bell, and he played in the Washington DC subway system as a busker. So there he is with this priceless violin playing the same music that he would play on stage in the concert hall and people are just walking by and no one's listening, right? It's just kind of, they're going about their day. But those same people are the ones who are gonna pay hundreds of dollars to go listen to him play you know, in the concert hall. But it was the positioning, it was the authority. People didn't understand how important this was. And so making sure you're positioned well and it's not only just how you look, it's not only you know, your credentials, but it's also how you talk about it. 
Because if you, you know, if you, the way you talk, the way you speak in terms of vocal variety, in terms of your cadence, in terms of you know, the tonality that you're using. Um, one great example is sometimes people have a bit of up talk, right? When they kind of go up like this. Yeah, you, I know you're rolling about like, oh my goodness, right? So if they're doing that all the time and they're going up at the end of their sentences, it kind of sounds like they're asking a like question. A question. Yeah. And, and it's like, well, are you, are you telling me or are you asking me, right? So it undermines their authority. So um, looking at how you package yourself, how it's positioned, that is going to affect whether people listen to you. So um, good engagement tip there. Great engagement. Those are three awesome engagement tips. Quick question on the up talk, because you saw me roll my eyes when you said that, because yeah. I deal with audiences all over the country, all over the world, as I know you do. How do you approach when somebody comes from an area where geographically the culture is that lots of people engage in up talk? Yeah. Like Australia, you, for example. Yeah. Australia, Southern California. Yeah. Everything sounds like a question, right? How do you bring it up and point it out in a way that doesn't come across as offensive, but still help them realize that, hey, this, you might be undermining your own credibility? Yeah, well, I think that's kind of a, a, a tricky coaching question you're asking. And if, if someone okay. was coming to me and they wanted you know, pure feedback like that, that is unfiltered and, and candid, you know, that's, that would be how you'd have to kind of approach it, right? And, and package okay. it in, in, in a nice way. But that's, that's kind of executive presence, right? That's a piece yeah. to that, that idea that if someone is not getting to where they should be corporately, that might be one of those things holding them back, right? And yeah. there's, there's a great example, Margaret Thatcher. Um, she was known as having a very shrill voice, you know, the shrill lady before she worked on herself a lot and, and worked, had a vocal coach and, and, and a stylist and all this to help her become you know, the iron lady that she became. So it really does depend on how bad someone wants it, right? There's, there's people who have yeah. eliminated accents for themselves to be able to get where they are. Now, now you get this like professionalism versus authenticity kind of, you know, opposing pole kind of thing that yeah. doesn't have to always oppose, but there is this kind of, do you want to change the game or do you want to, you know, be a good player in the game that exists? And, yeah. and that's kind of, um, you know, a decision people have to make. So, yeah. And you hit on something that I, I bring this up often because when I tell my story about how I got into teaching communication skills, I came from an accounting background. I had bad communication skills, became aware of it and then started working on them. So I always share with people, I went from being so painfully introverted that my face literally would twitch when I, when I would speak with people sometimes. Wow. And now I speak to groups of a hundred and that's not magic. It's just systematically working on it. Right. And the point I always bring up when I tell that story is I want to be careful to let people know that doesn't mean I'm telling you, you should do that. Right. That's I chose that goal for myself. Your goal may be as simple as just be able to communicate more effectively in meetings or be more assertive in my communication, not aggressive, just a little more assertive so I don't get overlooked for great projects and that type of thing. So I think you made a great point is figure out what is that person's goal. Maybe they don't care to get rid of the up talk because in their world, for whatever reason, it works for them and it's fine. But if you choose to, and if you're listening, take this with the love that it's meant to be given with, there's, there's neuroscience that shows when it does undermine your credibility, 
if people that are not in the culture where uptalk is normal and everything sounds like a question, it's going to undermine your credibility a little bit. Um, so just one guy's opinion based on what I've read, what I've heard, um, doesn't mean you need to change it, figure out what your goal is, and then act uh, accordingly with what your, your goal is. You reminded me with your example of Margaret Thatcher of a guy who I only recently became aware of, Roger Love, who is yes. a vocal coach. Yeah, he's got Master some great courses. Vocal. Yeah. Yeah. And I stumbled across him on YouTube. He probably popped up on my YouTube because I was, I, I look at a lot of different things related to everything you're talking about neuroscience and NLP, anything and everything that has to do with communication skills and psychology has always been of interest to me. And as you know, in the last 10 years or so, focusing more on the communication piece of it. So I brought that up because Roger Love just happens to be a very famous vocal coach, but there are lots of not so famous vocal coaches out there. You might want to find one in your area if you have one of those things going on where something about your speech is holding you back. I've been told I'm a low talker and a fast talker, right? So those are two of the things that I've tried to consciously work on. It's still a work in progress, probably always will be, um, but awareness is another thing that I talk quite a bit about. So one last quick question that I wanna uh, honor your time and, and wrap up here. With respect to awareness, one of the things that I run into in my training a lot is people that are unaware of some of their communication miscues. I just mm -hmm. mentioned two of mine, right? Um, I tend to be a low talker and a fast talker, right? And I had to have other people tell me that. Do you have any thoughts on ways that people might be able to increase their awareness about their communication and what's working and not working so they can then identify them and then work on them? For sure. Uh, well, as a magician, I've always practiced in front of the mirror, right? And they would always say the mirror never lies, this idea that you, you're you able to see what you could see. But that's that's in terms of sleight of hand and, and, and catching things. The, the other, I guess, more modern version of that is a video camera or, you yeah. know, your webcam even. And feedback is just, that's, that is the, you know, that's whether you're successful or, or failure, feedback will tell you. And, and, whether you are doing it on in front of a live audience and you're getting that feedback right away, you might not know exactly what it is, but you do it enough reps, you understand kind of what you're, what message you're sending out. But but doing video and during the pandemic, I did a lot of videos and kind of um, hosting videos, uh, video emceeing, you know, so pre-recorded MC clips uh, for our various clients. And so I'll, I would record something for 30 seconds or a minute, and then I watch it back because I have to judge it whether or not that's good enough to send to the client. And it's just amazing what that will teach you when you'll just start seeing small little pieces that you might want to fix, or that didn't sound quite right, or this and that. And people hate hearing the sound of their own voice, and they hate watching themselves, you know, on camera, uh, some, or watching themselves on video, but being on camera. And if you can kind of get over that, and you know, in my case, I had projects I had to do, so it forced me to do it. But right. that is probably the best feedback because you start actually, what do I do that? Like you start catching some of those habits that you have. And, and then once they're consciously aware, then you can start trying to maybe filter them out. Yep, great, great advice. And it reminds me of, there is an app that I've used in the past called Ori, or I'm not sure if I'm saying yeah. it correctly. It's yeah. O-R-A-I. 
Yeah. Um, for any of you out there, Google that. It's a free app. They have a paid version, but I've used the free version. And even the features on the free version are great. So you can just record yourself on your phone and it will basically analyze using AI and it will give you all kinds of feedback on like word choice, filler words like ah uh, and um and things like mm -hmm. that and a handful of other things. And even the free version, if you just use that a couple of times, is helpful. Go ahead. And there's, there is one other one. So that's great for content. And there's another one called Vocular. And it costs like, I don't know, a buck and a half or two bucks or something like that. And what it does is you just talk into it. It will measure the frequency and the pitch and the uh, vocal fry, the uh, modulation. So if you want to know if you're monotone, you can just test in that. And then it, it, yeah. it'll even kind of remind you to take recordings. And so that you That's can, awesome. you know, practice trying to create a little bit more vocal variety in, in yeah, your voice. Yeah, that's a great, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to download that. And vocal fry, for those of you who don't know what vocal fry is, it's that sound from the back of your throat that sounds like, maybe, I don't know if maybe you have a better version of it. I, no, I that's great. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those kind of like that kind of thing. So it yeah. It sounds strange. And that it's does. another thing and it's that not I good for you. Yeah, it's not good for you physically. It's not good for your, your the way you present yourself. But it's another one like Uptalk that I have noticed culturally in certain geographic regions. I see and hear more of that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a great one. I'm going to download that one because I don't know if Ori has anything with vocal fry, um, but it's very very obvious. If you hear some, you might might not have had the the vocabulary to say that's vocal fry before. Those of you listening. Um, but you've heard it before. I promise you, you've heard it before. Uh, if you've watched any TV, but Paris uh, Hilton and uh, yeah, Nicole Richie yeah. back in the, yeah, yeah, great examples, great right. examples. Well, Anders, I want to I want to honor your time, um, and we're a little bit actually over the amount of time that you said you would share with us. So I really appreciate it. I would love to have you back again, uh, maybe uh, another time that maybe you have a little bit more time. Yeah. Um, and we can definitely get into some of the things that you talked about, maybe a little bit deeper, because um, I think a lot of what you said is absolutely portable from the way you use it to the way people can use it in an office setting and the way that they're just going about their every day. Um, so just super valuable stuff. So thanks for your time. Um, make sure, tell us where everyone can find you. What is the best way for them to find you and get it? Yeah, sure. Our website is engageify.ai and uh, the, the AI is for authentic interactions, but not, not, not artificial intelligence in this case. So it's E-N-G-A-G-I-F-Y.ai. And you can also find me on uh, LinkedIn is probably where I'm most active. All right. Awesome. We'll include all your information in the show notes. And I want to thank you for your time and hopefully we'll see you back here again. All and right. Thanks so much, John. Thank you. For you guys watching and listening, we'll see you next time.